Welcome to The Breakdown with Brad Corp and Becky, a weekly podcast that breaks down politics, policy, and current affairs. I'm Becky Scher, and once again, Jeff Kolb is here with us filling in for our show's namesake, Michael Broadcorp. In today's episode, we are going to focus on public safety, especially as it relates to vehicular crimes, following the heartbreaking incident re- uh, recently in the Twin Cities. To start, we are going to kick things off with our guest of the week, Colleen Kelly, to discuss her family's story dealing with uh, an incident and its lasting impacts. We will also break down the questionable nature of light sentences and minimal consequences for crimes committed with a vehicle. Additionally, we will break down the recent tragedy that spurred this week's conversation, the horrific incident that resulted in the death of five young women after their car was hit at high speeds driven by Derek Thompson, son of former state representative John Thompson. Finally, we will end the show with our typical tweets of the week and food fight with Broadcorp and Becky featuring, of course, our guest host, Jeff Cole. This week, we are going to break the ice with the fight about our Dairy Queen treats. Thank you for enjoying us or joining us and enjoy the show. That was, uh, I see what you did there with the break the ice thing. I'm trying don't, to get a little funny. I, yeah, don't think I didn't notice. So Jeff, um, how many shows do we get you before you're demanding a name change? Uh, having done this for a few shows now, you can have it. Uh, <laughs> not that I not that I don't love it, but I mean, it is uh, it is certainly, um, there's, there's a lot of work that goes into this. You can't just show up and wing it every week. Otherwise, nobody will listen. Yeah. It's that's that's true. So I need either I need I probably need a raise if I'm going to stick around. All right. Um, I just have to before we kick things off, I have to give one shout out. My son turns one this week and I'm all up in my feels. It's been an emotional week already. I cannot believe it's already been a year. Um, I just have to shout out baby Wyatt. I, I don't know that it ever gets less jarring i i mean it hasn't so far my kids are nine and six and every year i look at them and go has it really been how has it been i just don't i just don't know i think the worst thing so now you're 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 at past a year right so now you're going to start getting the annualized on your phone um like what happened a year ago and so you'll start getting the memories and then you'll start seeing you know and, and I just got one the other day, my daughter, who probably was two or three, you know, and then she pops up in her little baby face with her little baby um, pigtails and the whole deal. And I'm just, you know, my heart's breaking and I'm looking at her and she's over there playing Minecraft in the corner with her, <laughs> with her brother. And uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking, how did, how did that happen? And where did the time go? So uh, it's great and sad and terrifying all at the same time. But um, that's my shout out for the week. Thanks for being here with us again, and why don't we get things started? We are kicking things off today with our guest, Colleen Kelly. Colleen came to our attention based on a Twitter thread she wrote last week after Derek John Thompson made the criminal choice to speed through an intersection, crashing into another vehicle, tragically killing five young women. This occurred despite Thompson's history with the 2020 hit and run, which resulted in a pedestrian's traumatic brain injury. Thompson was sentenced to eight years, but was back on the roads with a license after serving about half his sentence. We'll get more into the details surrounding the Thompson crash later. Colleen is here to share her family's story and experience with us today. And I want to read the text of her first tweet uh, in in the thread that came to our attention, which reads, For those wondering how someone convicted of a hit and run that put a woman in a coma and sentenced to eight years in prison in 2020 was out and driving around licensed in 2023, 
let me introduce you to the absurdity of how vehicular crimes are charged in sentence. Welcome, Colleen, and thanks for being here. Uh, Thank you. Glad to be here. All right. So, Colleen, give us a little bit of your background. You were with the Star Tribune for a while. You're now in, in the private sector, yes? Yeah, I worked as an editor and designer for many years uh, at the Star Tribune, and I now work in corporate communications. And you have two daughters. Yes, I'm a mom to two daughters. They are 21 and 25 now. Um, And yeah, I'm from Chicago, but I've been in Minneapolis for almost 25 years, and my girls were raised and still live here. All right. And so um, so you actually have, unfortunately, some personal experience with this topic. And that's kind of you went into a little bit of that. There was a heartbreaking photo of your daughter that you shared um, just um, just I guess I don't have a better word than heartbreaking for it. Um, can you talk us a little bit through what happened to your daughter and how your family has kind of dealt with that? Yeah. So Anya is my older daughter. Um, She was 23 when her life was essentially destroyed after she was hit as a pedestrian in Uptown and thrown about 40 feet. The driver of the SUV did not have a valid license and he did not break at all. I have seen video of the crash and he drove through her with an SUV that weighs about 4,500 pounds. He hit 125 pound woman And, you know, his airbags didn't even go off because she was so light. All the damage was to her. Uh, In the wake of that, obviously, her life was destroyed. She was critically injured, gravely injured. She went to HCMC as a red trauma, unconscious. Um, She had fractures of her skull, sacrum, left femur, both tibias, one fibula, her right eye socket, And those weren't even really the worst thing. It's the brain injury. So for anyone who's been involved, well, in in brain brain injuries at all, but a grave grave brain injury like that, uh, the brain injury ended up being the serious problem. Um, At the time she was hit, she was had had her undergraduate and graduate degrees already. She was working full time at the University of Minnesota as a communications coordinator, and she worked a second job for fun as a server in downtown Minneapolis at a Brazilian steakhouse. And she had another side gig too. So she was doing everything at that age. And what is what is her situation now? Well, she's disabled. She's doing what I like to say is she's doing so much better than some people expected considering she was on a ventilator for 16 days. Wow. And um yes, she was not responsive. They were not sure she was even going to emerge from the coma. So She's doing better than expected, but at the same time, her life is also destroyed. Both those things are true. So she is such a hard worker. Um, she remains focused. She lives alone, but with family support. She is certified disabled. She primarily volunteers. She continues more than a year and a half after this crash to receive occupational therapy to help her cope with the brain injury, mental health therapy. Um Many people after TBIs end up suicidal because the way brain injuries work, you're, you know, some people just think of like you have a bad memory. It's, it's not, that's part of it. You will likely have memory problems, but her judgment, her capacity to uh, 
think quickly has been impacted. Her processing speed is really slow. And this is a kid who was a National Merit Scholar. She graduated from college in six semesters. So it is um, the word heartbreaking you used before. It is heartbreaking. And while she is doing amazingly well, it's also heartbreaking. And so you mentioned that it was a, a driver that did not have a license, correct? Correct. So I have I have his full record. He's a young man. Um, you know, I don't like to compare like what's the most egregious, right? Like in the Twitter thread, like there are those cases that I call the all of the above cases, the ones that almost are jaw dropping, right? A suspended license, speeding, uh, drunk, running a red light. Like those are those are. I think they shock everyone when you see those and then they have the impact of hitting someone or killing someone. Um, He had, you know, for his age, which was young, a lot of citations, combination of like careless driving, at least three suspended license tickets, Um, you know, a a pretty, pretty high speeding one, um, failure to stop and, you know, just a combination of things. And did he, was this a hit and run or did he stop after he hit your daughter? Well, there's a little gray area there. Um, when Anya was hit, it was in Uptown. She was right, a, a, a police officer off duty, essentially. He did not witness it. He heard it. And because the person did not appear to be stopping, he did actually jump in his cruiser to go after him. But from a legal perspective, it is not considered a hit and run, which is almost a bad thing because the, there are certain, you know, qualifiers that can help the higher charges. And so, in this case, we were told right away that there would not be felony charges. And that was because he was not, quote, egregiously speeding. You might ask, what is egregious speeding? Because I certainly did. The speed limit there was 25. They estimate he was going 35 to 40. It was a salvage title vehicle. So the black, the equivalent, the black box is what it essentially is, would not, was not registering a speed. But they know visually from the cameras that he was going faster than others. Probably everyone there was going over 25 because they do, right? Um, so, uh, yeah. And then what, what was the penalty for the um, driver? He served, he, at some point, I think his total number of different citations and charges were about, I think there were a total of eight. He ended up pleading guilty to criminal vehicular operation, causing bodily harm, a gross misdemeanor. Um, he served 45 days in jail the workhouse, whatever, um, 45 days on electric home monitoring and two years probation. And he was ordered to pay restitution of which he has not paid a penny for destroying your daughter's life. I mean, yeah, that, that's exactly. not an overstatement. So, and the I mean, thing it, is when you file restitution, I mean, I'll say the number, it doesn't matter. We asked for $18,000 cause it was the provable loss of income before she was certified disabled. There's certain things you can ask for, um, destruction of property, her, Apple Watch, if you saw it, you would understand it was crushed into oblivion, little things like that. So no, no, I mean, she was on her way at age 23 to like saving for a duplex and putting money in a Roth IRA. So there is no amount of anything that is going to in any way compensate. Uh, yeah, $18,000 is not going <laughs> to make her whole in any way, shape or form. The, no. the and, and so ultimately he got maybe 90 days of of supervision and then a little bit of, of probation, which we've seen in other cases means very little um, yep. it means at all. It doesn't uh, 
So, uh, Colleen, in our in our back and forth, we emailed a little bit before this. I, I mentioned the the reason I'm here today, sitting here doing this podcast, is because the the normal host, Michael uh, Michael Broadcorp, was uh, hit by a car in front of his house a few weeks ago, and um, I, well, I got the M- Michael's very sensitive about I think going out and. Um, it, trying to make too big of a deal of kind of what happened to him. But one of the reasons he can't be on the show is because he's in speech therapy. Um, he, he, while his brain injury was not um, as severe as what happened to your daughter, he did, you know, he did have the repercussions of the fact that he has to go back and kind of learn to speak again in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that, that we have talked about in that, in that particular case is the way and and you were and you said it i think um eloquently but i think also in, in like a really scary way uh, i want to make sure i get your your exact quote but basically if you want to get away with murder just do it in a car and and i was told that during at one point when i was so frustrated as to the, the level of the charges understanding what the penalties would be. I honestly don't even remember who had told, who told me if it was another parent who had had a child who was a victim. It may have been an advocate or, or someone else. But when they said that, it really struck me because when you look at the cases that I put in the Twitter thread, the fatal crashes where they were by an all-of-the-above driver, right? Suspended, speeding, red light, drunk. Their penalties were so low for taking a life. Like they were 90 days home confinement, um, quote, not more than a year in jail, um, two and a third years in jail for killing a 22 year old. Uh, I don't think, and, and that's part of the reason I wanted to raise that profile. I think, first of all, you have to raise the profile to realize there's a problem. Ever since this happened to Anya, I have, as a former journalist, I've been like, saving them in my mind, or I would occasionally just do a tweet and say, you know, this headline says sentence, but like, do you realize it was just one year? And I think that the first step in trying to address this is to raise the profile so people understand what is happening. So even if you could say like, let's raise the guidelines, right? The sentencing guidelines. The people in that Twitter thread, they weren't even sentenced to anywhere near the maximum of the current guidelines. Right. And I think as you guys all know, like, you don't ever serve your full sentence. I think it's what eighty five percent. Just so take off fifteen percent of any sentence. Right. And then when you say what the total could be, and one of the reasons I did end up do, uh, doing the thread was I saw someone say, "Oh, well, if he's you know if he's found guilty, charged with this, and found guilty of this, that'll be thirteen years." And I'm like, "No, it won't." <laughs> uh, right. And I think so. Um, one of the things that Michael and I have talked about as he's going through and trying to understand, you know, what's going to happen from the legal standpoint here is that for whatever reason, as a society, we we do treat car-related, vehicular-related mm-hmm. crimes at a much lower rate and much less seriously than we do other things. If this, if this same man had got out and uh, you know, God forbid, beat your daughter with some other weapon, or if these the the people who hit hit Michael had, you know, it, yeah. had kicked him to the ground, it would be a much more serious charge. But because they happen to use a car to commit their crime, then the penalties are just ridiculous. I, the there's 
you know, the, the extra added twist in Michael's case is that the person who was driving was a minor. Um, I, we don't know how this no, is going right. to come out, yeah. but, but at this point, you know, I, I would imagine that, um, I would imagine that this is not, uh, at the end of the day, Michael's life will be more affected than, than the perpetrator of the crime in this point, because he will have to deal with that. Just as in, in your case, obviously your daughter's life was much, much more affected than a guy who had to spend 90 days, three months. So what, you know, kind of sort of locked up and then kind of sort of supervised for two years. Even on that 45 days, you're allowed to get work release. So it's just, and you know, Colleen, in your experience of, of reviewing these articles and, and yep. dealing with the court system and the situation with your daughter, what can you point to anything of what is kind of the 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 tip of the iceberg or the main issue here? Is it the court system? Is it the prosecutors? Is it the police? Is it the judges? Is it you know? You said not obviously the sentencing guidelines. If we're we're not even yeah, I mean, I think it, I think one thing is people always want like a simple solution. We're going to do this problem solve. So first of all, I'm not a policy expert. I'm mostly just a parent who was kind of forced into this situation. I think there's lots of pieces that could be brought forward to, to think about. Uh, I think there is a little bit, they are generally just charged differently because I think that a lot of people, because you're a driver, there's a sense of like most people drive and you can have like that momentary mistake, but that's not what we're talking about here. Um, these aren't momentary mistakes. I think that sure, better traffic calming and street design could help reduce pedestrian injuries, right? That's, that's kind of, that's happening at a slow pace in various cities all around the state. Sentencing guidelines could and should be increased, I believe. But one of the things I want to point out is in all but the, even those egregious cases, none of those got anywhere near that maximum sentence. So I guess if you're going to do a lower than maximum sentence, sure, raise the sentencing guidelines, right? Because then the percentage is slightly higher. I think they need to be charged more like the violent crimes that they are. Uh, Jeff, when you said if someone, you know, say beat someone, like say Anya, first of all, a person couldn't even do that harm to her. Like it would be impossible. Uh, right. Almost, right? To, to, to you can't do have the that. equivalent of uh, an SUV slamming into someone at 35, 40 miles an hour. Uh, one thing I think higher visibility is the first step. That's part of the reason I did want to do it. You know, even talking about it here on the podcast is great. You need to have that visibility. Um, I think that one thing it's like a negative. One thing I don't want to see is so last legislative session, there was um, a bill, I think, that had bipartisan sponsorship called the Clean, Eight Sla- Clean Slate Act that would have automatically expunged misdemeanors and gross de- misdemeanors after a certain amount of time. And from my reading, there was not an exception for criminal vehicular crimes. There were exceptions for certain violent crimes like assault. You have to realize vehicular crimes like that are actually not considered, quote, violent crimes. Um, they did not I could not find any exception for that. I think that if that were to pass or another bill like that in a future session, because it did not pass, um, that it would really erase victims and their experiences because it would also hide the history of repeat offenders. In some of these cases, you need the outrage of the repeat offenses, like what is happening with the driver in the most recent case, right? The outrage of that previous case. And those were felony charges. But in the case of the the driver who hit Anya, these were all misdemeanors. So if you start expunging all of that, that history is gone for the future. You're not, you're not even going to be able to see it to understand what's going on. Um, And I will just point out that I did reach out to both sponsors of that bill uh, by phone and by email to tell Anya's story and to describe 
that if the bill were passed, it would kind of erase victims and neither of them even replied. So I'm going to use this time to to point that out and to say that I think that that kind of a bill, while it might have a place for certain non true nonviolent crimes, uh, it needs to carve out exceptions for criminal vehicular crimes. You know, you were you were quoted in a Star Tribune article, um, and right above where your quote starts, there's a there's a line. It uh, it, it talks about. Um, John Cummings from Minnesota's Minnesotans for mm-hmm. Safe Driving, yes. which actually is a an organization that Michael has volunteered for um, for many years. Um, uh, and I should say, I, I mean, I'm not I'm not speaking behind his back. He volunteered because he um, he had right. DWI, right, and so, which is why people get involved in those things. He made a mistake, and then uh, I think is probably one of those good examples of where somebody. Sure. You know, learn the lesson and and uh, turned it turned it around and whatever. But th- at this point, it says Cummings said Minnesota has toughened policies since then, since his son was killed by a drunk driver, such as charging drivers with a felony if they're arrested for four DWIs within ten years. the The absurdity of that statement that we think we're tough, or that anyone would consider that it would be tough, that if you right that on your fourth arrest, now we're going to get serious with you. It just shows, I think, that that we do not take this seriously. We we do not take it seriously. And I've long I've long felt that. And and again, you know, I, I'm not speaking out of school because Michael and I had this conversation. I asked him, I said, do you think the penalty should be tougher? And he said, yes. And I said, do you think you should have been punished more? And he said, well, Let's talk about that a bit. And we went through kind of the elements of his of his particular case. And he pled guilty and he, you know, took responsibility. And there were some things, but he definitely feels, you know, when he was recovering in the hospital, he lost his license for the point of time when he was recovering in the hospital. So it was not a that was not a problem for him because he wasn't going to be driving anyway. And so when you look at some of those types of things and you say, and you say, you know, that, that's kind of common sense, right? That how can you, right. if I can't and drive, I you take another, my license away when I can't drive? I mean, uh, yeah. we, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, I saw another quote from him that kind of threw me because he said, well, I don't actually want them to, I'm paraphrasing, want them to, they don't, I don't see the need to make things tougher. They already have the ability to charge on a case by case basis. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, but that's not happening. So right. you can say they're not, they were already tough enough and it has to be case by case. And, you know, he even, I thought, talked being, about, oh, well, the person- John who, Cummings. I believe it is. Yes. He was yeah. saying like, well, there's that momentary mistake, right? Yeah. And, and I think- Nothing in my Twitter thread was momentary mistakes. These are sure. people who are making four and five criminal decisions and then doing the same thing over and over again, year after year. Right. So I would take a different tack. I, I know it's- uh, very popular to talk about, you know, the ability for rehabilitation and change behavior. And I think that's great. I think there are cases where that works, but I think- But clearly, if you're on your fourth DWI in 10 years, you are not taking responsibility, right? I mean, that, that that's, uh, you have a pattern of criminal behavior and what we, and, yes. and we, I think we need to make that distinction between making a mistake. Drunk driving is not a mistake, Right. That that's not you didn't oops accidentally make a mistake. Right. Right. You, you made an intentional choice 
to violate the law. And then when it didn't go well, then there needs to be consequences for it. And, and yeah. those consequences should be commensurate to the damage that you caused and the harm that you caused. And if you take someone's life, uh, then you will, then you should, it, you shouldn't be treated. It shouldn't be treated less because you happen to be driving a car when you made those bad choices. Yeah. Or like that it was a momentary mistake because again, these patterns of behavior, it's not a momentary mistake. It's, you know, four and five things criminal all at the same time. And then in some cases over and over again, right? Two years later, same thing, two years later. And I think, I think that, I don't think there's one easy solution, but I think there, there are different ways to go about it. And um, I think also there's just a habit of how things are charged. I mean, I thought obviously the punishment in the case, in my daughter's case was not okay. I was not thrilled with it. Again, we'd been told right away, this is probably about all you're going to get. In fact, we were told that there were cases where people killed someone and did not um, have any jail time at all. So I was as much as told, like, I mean, I didn't say you're lucky, but they did say we certainly have cases where people have been, you know, either this seriously injured or killed and the person serves no time in jail at all. So, you know, we certainly didn't feel in any way lucky. And, and I will say some of the cases I spotlighted, the families of the victims who were killed were against those plea bargains. So the, I, I really do think someone has to get in there. I think the legislature, maybe a news organization should pull the data and just show the disconnect. Because again, you're seeing these things like, oh, you could get 13 years. But if in fact, most criminal CVO, they call it criminal vehicular operation homicide, CVO homicides are getting two to three years, then there's something wrong. Yeah, two to three years is not, it, it is just a, an obscene amount of punishment for for ending someone's life. I, it, I just, I cannot wrap my head around it. I, I want to say, you know, we talked a little bit about policy and what your policy ideas were. I, I think, you know, I feel kind of almost silly bringing this up because it's it's so small, but what there there's an organization, there are several organizations that talk about, um, you know, drop the A word, don't use the word accident. And I think, yes. again, that's not a thing that, it's not going to change the world and it's not going to make anybody really feel better, but it is something that we people need to be conscious about when they're- The language, language is super important. Right? And in because, fact- my daughter calls it an accident, the daughter with the TBI, and I've tried to correct her, and it's just so common. I don't. It's always a crash for me. Right. I do not use that word, and I very consciously changed it. But like I have to think about it because I think everyone thinks you think car accident, they go together, car and accident. Right, and 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 the you know we even saw some kind of how high profile people use that term um, uh, in relation to the to the Thompson incident earlier, and. Um, and it's just not, it's not, it wasn't an accident. That was a, it was a deliberate, violent criminal act and mm -hmm. it should be treated that way and spoken about that way. Not, not, uh, oops, an accident. I mean, that, that, mm -hmm. that, there were, as you said, a series of decisions that got us to this point and they were criminal decisions. They, the, the, it, there was nothing accidental about it. Agreed. Well, I think it's clear that something needs to be changed. I mean, my only point I wanted to say, you know, kind of tying back to some of the m comments that you both have made is that, I mean, it is interesting that 
to that, that driving is something that you have to take a class. You have to, you know, do behind the wheel. You have to get a license. You have to get a renewed. So you would think that because you have to be proactive to, to have this, it is something that would carry a little bit more weight than like a stabbing or a hammer attack, right? Those are things you can just go and get and you don't need to have license and training and all of this mm-hmm. to use, right? I mean, I, I'm not – weird comparison. But, you know, I'm saying that you have to go through all of this training to to be behind the wheel that – it just is shocking to me and I, it was really eye-opening to read your th- thread and and see how um, how light some of these sentences are and it is, it's just absolutely wild. So I appreciate you sharing and um, clearly clearly something needs to be done. Absolutely. And I mean, ironically, Anya lost her license in this crash, just so you know. She was, she had to, she lost her license as a pedestrian because she was so seriously injured that when you ask for a handicap tag, there was some acronym they used on that application. And so her license, which was actually fine, we would have never let her get behind the wheel without going through a full occupational therapy. And she does have a license again. It took her going back to Courage Kenny and going through classes, and then she failed. Then she had some more classes. But I did say during my um, family impact statement during the guilty plea, I pointed out that she had lost her license and that unlike the driver, when she had a suspended license, she did not drive until she was cleared to drive. So again, you have the rule follower <laughs> following all the rules, having their license suspended, taking, I mean, and to be clear, she should, she shouldn't have had a license in the beginning. It was, she was barely verbal six months out. I think her, she didn't get her license back for about a year and a half, maybe a year and a quarter afterward. But yes, you just, I think there is a division where you have someone who's like her license was suspended. She worked really hard over time to legally get it back. Right. But then on the other side, you have people who just you know, people were all caught up in the fact that he had or gotten a license back. So like, right, that maybe shouldn't have happened. But a suspended license doesn't stop a lawbreaker. Like right. every case, I think, or all but one case in that Twitter thread, and I think I called out five or six or seven fatal. Uh, I think 90% of them were driving on a suspended license. So. <laughs> Well, Colleen Kelly, thank you so much for your time today. Um, uh, uh, the best to you and your family. I hope your daughter's recovery continues to go as well as it can. Um, uh, you know, I uh, obviously, sorry this happened. Um, I wish we could be talking in uh, about um, maybe a little bit happier topic, but uh, it's an important topic. It's something that we, that we need to raise the awareness of. So uh, let's tell people where they can find you online. You're at on Twitter at one Colleen, and that's O-N-E and C-O-L-L-E-E-N. That's where you are on Twitter. People can find you there. We will share, uh, when the show comes out, we will share the thread that we've been talking about so that people have that context as well. Thank you so much for taking the time and talking to us. Thank you. Thank you. So that was a bit heavy. It was. Um, I, I I know I saw your face a few times. Um, you know, I might sound like a broken record. I'm a new mom. Um, I, I literally wanted to cry. I can't imagine being a parent in any of these situations. And I'll, I'll list some of these out shortly. But being a parent and, and watching your child's life either end or, or be drastically impacted and then having zero repercussions on for the person who, or, or very little repercussions for the person who is responsible, um, is just, 
heartbreaking. It's going to be, it's devastating. The, the, I mean, I, I really lost it at the point when she's told us that her daughter lost her license. I, I mean, it, it was just the absurdity of the, of the, of the situation that her, her daughter lost her license because she was dealing with a brain injury and the guy who hit her is out on the roads driving again now. Um, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't know what to say. Uh, I, I think the entire Minnesota legislature should be ashamed of themselves um, I, to allow this to happen. Uh, <laughs> I just, I, you know, I wanted to get your opinion. I was, I, I'm curious. Um, do you have any theories for why there is such a, a massive difference between how we treat vehicle-related crimes and and other crimes? Do you have a do you have do you have a thought on why that is? Or I don't. I, and to be perfectly honest, this is all relatively new information. Like I, I mentioned um, offline, this is you know I were, was a little familiar with some of these stories, one-off, where you'd see you know some horrific incident. I, I now, thanks to your your comment, it is an incident. These are largely not accidents um, where there was death or, or major injury um, with with little. And, and I want to read some of these that real quick that, that Colleen had posted on her Twitter thread. Um, in 2022, a driver with revoked license hit a bicyclist on the sidewalk. Driver had two previous convictions of driving without a license. Bicyclist was left paraplegic, died a year and a half later. Um, plea deal spares driver prison. 2023, driver traveling over 65 on residential streets, crashed and killed her passenger, was paralyzed herself, got 90 days home confinement. Another 2023 driver hit and killed an aspiring doctor while drunk and without a valid license will spend less than two years in prison. 2023 driver was drunk, unlicensed, and going over 85, ran a red light, killed 22-year-old, serving just over two years. These are four instances that are literally in the last year and a half um, where somebody was killed, paralyzed, and these are folks that largely did not have driver's license. Were you know were speeding, like she said, speeding, running red lights, drunk, disobeying all of these laws, and 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 not held accountable for them. And it is mind-boggling. And, and while the legislature, sure, there are there are some th- things that obviously they'll need to potentially have legislative changes. You know, sentences is handed down by by judges. So I, I mean, I I'm not a, I- a court expert here, but this, there's clearly some issue there. Um, you know, we've seen this and talked about it, you know, with carjackings and other crime, um, of, of other sorts of, of lack of consequences to deter these folks or hold them accountable. So they really truly don't commit similar future additional, whatever crimes, um, and something needs to be done. This is, this is horrific and unacceptable. I keep going back to the to the quote talking about how, you know, it, after your when you're on your fourth DWI in ten years, then we're gonna then we're gonna hit you with a felony, and and just how absurd that is, you know. One of the things, um, one of the things I, I hear or, or the kind of the pushback is that you know. Uh, these people are going to be driving anyway. And so you need to keep them in the system so that they can be monitored and all those things. And, and I just think, you know, that's um, okay to a point, but I mean, but clearly at some point you've made the decision that you are incapable of 
following the laws that everybody else follows. And then your right to be free needs to be taken away. And it has to do with the fact that you have decided you can't live with the rest of us in civilized society and you can't follow the same rules that the rest of us follow. And so, you know, should there be, should you be allowed to make a mistake? Yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, yes. Um, as long as you, as long as, you know, that doesn't have a, a huge detriment on somebody else's life, but should you be allowed to make repeated, you know, at some point it becomes not a mistake. Right. Uh, it, it just becomes a pattern of, I was going to say bad behavior, but I need to get, change my language on this. It has to be, it's criminal behavior. And my theory, uh, I, I asked your theory because I wanted to know if anyone else had a plausible theory. The only thing I can come up with is that legislators all feel like this is something that could happen to them. And so they're afraid to put any teeth to it because, you know, uh, we have... You know, uh, I don't know that we get through any legislative session without some legislator getting arrested for DWI. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe you'll get through, you know, one biennium or something. And, and then, you know, maybe not on the odd, odd year, but on the even year. But, but I mean, it, it's a very common, it's a common crime. And it's something that happens. And it's too common. It's, it's, it's far too common. And clearly what we're doing is not working. So I think, you know, the time for radical ideas is, um, the time for radical ideas is now, you know, uh, um, something that struck me a lot is, you know, we emailed a bit with Colleen before the show um, to prep and a thing she said, you know, is I'm not a policy expert. I'm just a mom, right? She's, uh, and, um, and that's uh, clearly not meant in a demeaning way. It just means I, I don't study this, right? I, I, I'm the mother of somebody who is the victim of one of these things. And I have kind of my ideas, but you need somebody to help you champion those ideas. Uh, she talked about the potential for having uh, certain crimes that are misdemeanors or gross misdemeanors expunged from your record, which then makes it difficult to create a pattern uh, when somebody continues to violate the law over and over again. Um, one thing that uh, one thing that I think uh, uh, should happen based on just my personal experience with Michael and the, the case that he's dealing with is um, you should not be able to drive a car and commit a crime in a car and then have that have be charged as a minor for that. Um, if you're behind the wheel of a car, you, you are an adult for all intents and purposes because that your car is not less deadly because you happen to be a minor. And, and so I think that's something, you know, I don't know if that idea has any legs, but clearly the fact that you happen to be 16 or 17 years old and you hit somebody and flood the scene doesn't make that crime less serious and doesn't mean that you should be um, treated less seriously. So, I mean, that's, that's a particular policy, um, a particular piece of policy. There's also in Minnesota, as far as we can tell, no obligation for the people who, the passengers in the car to report the fact that they were in a hit and run. So the driver fled the scene, um, but do the passengers just get off with no liability whatsoever? Because the, the, the passengers were there. They witnessed the crime, and the fact that there is no that there is no you know criminal liability for the fact that you saw someone 
get violently injured um, in a crash and it, you, you just you get to just go home and, you know, go play on the Xbox and hang out. You know, I, w- yeah. it, it's it's it's, um, you know, we clearly have issues and and it's something that needs to be taken seriously. And, and I think I, I wish that we could actually put some effort towards solving it because it's a thing that the, the story, Colleen's story is far, far too common. John Cummings' story from Minnesotans for Safe Driving is far too common. Mothers Against Drunk Driving was, you know, came from the same place, right? Where it was, um, it, it's people who had to live through this and then mm-hmm. had their lives kind of dragged into activism that they, you know, Colleen would rather be doing anything with her time right. than sitting here talking to us on a podcast about, you know, her the suffering that she and her family have gone through and, and, and I wish she could, but. And um, I do want to mention one thing, um, you know, you talked a little bit about, about Michael and his kind of ties to, to, you know, some things here. Um, and I did want to, you know, my mom growing up, one of her sayings was always, I don't want to hear him. Sorry. I want to hear how it's not going to happen again. You know, that was always something that was ingrained into our head. Anytime we got in trouble with anything was, was to, to try to take action. That's going to be different next time to, to not make the same mistakes. Um, and I do want to applaud Michael because he, you know, is very open about the fact that he did get a DWI. He did get in an accident, um, and that he has crash. a crash and he has spent, um, you know, the last 10 years, working to speak to others about his situation to, you know, volunteer with this organization um, that we mentioned. And and I think that is an example of somebody who took a situation where they did wrong and pivoted to, to hopefully help others not do wrong. And I think that, you know, we need to have more of that. These people need to not only come out. I'm not saying everybody needs to be a, a vigilante, a, a volunteer, <laughs> vigilante, a volunteer of that either sort. Or. Of we don't want either. Uh, go on a speaking tour, but um, if they are not going to take the opportunity to rehabilitate themselves, they need to have, they need to be held accountable by the criminal justice dis- system. And and clearly, we have a public safety issue in our state. Um, and uh, want to see changes? Don't know what's going to happen anytime soon. But I think we should break down real quick in our remaining time. Uh, the Derek Thompson incident, not accident, that happened that spurred this conversation. Um, so going into a little bit more of the specifics about this incident about a week, week and a half ago, Derek Thompson, who's the son of uh, former state rep John Thompson, rented a car, drove at extremely high speeds through Minneapolis, and less than 20 or 30 minutes after leaving the rental car shop, five women were dead. Five young women, five women between the ages of 17 and 20 were killed Instantly, he was clocked going 95 in a 55, weaving in and out of traffic. Um, trooper who who clocked him, you know, tried to catch up. He exited. He was going on for those not familiar, I 35W North exited um, on Lake Street, barreled right through a red light. They were killed instantly. He fled to the local Taco Bell, and um, one article I read um, had the gall to ask the officers if this is going to tank long. It's Friday night, and I have plans. I mean. Ooh. Yeah, 20, uh, 24 minutes or, or 20, 26 minutes that this separated this. It's, you you it's didn't a, you didn't even get into, you know, the what they found in his car. I mean, he certainly had a uh, had a weekend planned. It was not a it was um, not a legal weekend. Uh, 
He had a Glock 40 caliber semi-automatic handgun with an extended magazine and live ammunition, more than 250 grams, including more than 2,000 individual pills of narcotics, which tested positive for fentanyl, an additional 13 pills tested positive for MDMA, and approximately 35.6 grams of a white powder that tested positive for cocaine. I mean... He's a law-abiding citizen. He he certainly had had plans for a weekend. Uh, So, and similar to what we've been talking about, this is not Derek Thompson's first brush with the law, right? Uh, He was, um, from what we can tell, from what information is available, was uh, charged with a crime uh, in California. Um, however, you know, that was the, that was the hook really for Colleen's, um, uh, first, first, uh, tweet in her long thread was it, you know, he had a valid drive Minnesota driver's license. Mm-hmm. Now, how he got a valid Minnesota driver's license, I, I think is a, is another failure of, I don't know, everything. Um, because the fact that a guy with that record, uh, can be driving legally, but, but I mean, I, clearly clearly um not having a license is not something that would have stopped him anyway I, uh, maybe he would not have been able to rent that particular car uh but this is a guy who was hell-bent on um going out and uh, i guess causing havoc in the world and yeah, and, and he did have two previous uh, arrests for driving after suspension or revocation so to your point yes he right would, i, I mean so that that wasn't going to stop him and and now our community is deprived the potential uh, the, 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 the community does not get to to enjoy those five lives right and what they would have contributed to the world and their parents their families their siblings their cousins all have to live a life of pain and suffering and have to go through this horrible, tragic event because Derek Thompson made a series of bad choices and uh, didn't want to have his Friday, the style of his Friday night cramped. I, I just, it, it's, it's abhorrent to me. I, it, it's so hard to wrap my mind around. Um, it, it was just, it's an awful story all around uh, everything about it is terrible and he um, was just released in january so so but, he had you know this this 2020 crime hit a pedestrian she was in a coma for a couple of weeks left with a traumatic brain gen- brain injury he had 17 pounds of marijuana in his car at that point was sentenced to eight years served less than four released just six months ago and it's just, so what so not only was this a horrible tragedy but it was entirely preventable because had we taken his criminal activity, had we taken Derek Thompson's pattern of criminal activity, of violent criminal activity seriously, um, I'm going to go on a limb here uh, and say, this is not a guy who can be rehabilitated. This is not a guy who's going to make a uh, contribution to society in any way, shape, or form. Um, For whatever reason, he's rotten to the core. And society needs to understand sometimes there are just bad people out there and people who do not belong interacting with the rest of us because what they're going to do is all they're going to do is cause harm, cause pain, 
continue to commit more crimes. And this is a guy who should be in prison for life. And and how we get there, I, I mean, there's a number of things. Uh, there's a number of things that have to change to deal with that kind of thing. And we're not going to solve it here in the next three minutes. But I, but I, but we cannot continue to allow this type of violent criminal behavior to just go unchecked. It, it's it's absurd. Um, and it just I, I don't I don't have anything else to say about that. That's I just. <laughs> I, nor do I, other than um, it's, uh, I know, been a heavy show. There are, it's really um, heartbreaking, devastating, depressing, unfortunate. I mean, I don't know, all of these words don't even come close to representing what um, Colleen and her family have gone to, what this uh, community um, of, of these five young women um, has gone through. And something, you know, I, I'm hopeful I always want to remain optimistic that at some point we'll get these things right and changes will be made. Um, not overly optimistic, being that Colleen couldn't even get a response to her emails and to the legislators working on legislation surrounding this. But um, I guess I, I think the mantra that I say on almost every episode is only time will tell and we'll have to wait and see. So, as um, seems really inappropriate at this time, <laughs> I don't know how else to transition. Uh, it's time I for think it's time for ice cream. Okay, <laughs> it's a, Becky. We got to have ice cream after after the heaviness of that of that conversation. It's yes. time for some ice cream. So, so we are pivoting and we are turning to all things good in the world that makes everybody feel better, unless you have our lactose intolerant. Um, and our food fight this week are Dairy Queen treats. Top five Dairy Queen treats. Yes, that's a hard pivot. We did. I mean, we we should acknowledge that that is a hard pivot. But you know what? Uh, the show it makes me feel weird inside. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So why don't you start? What do you got for us? Number one. All right. So I had mentioned previously, um, prior to being pregnant, I didn't have the super intense sweet tooth. I, you know, a couple of Hershey kisses or something would, would be more than sufficient to, to cover me while pregnant that changed. My love of donuts was top notch and I wanted ice cream, but specifically I wanted my number one here. I wanted a dairy cream, dairy queen ice cream cake. Okay. I would have been fine with just the fudge and crumble, to be perfectly honest. Um, I did find throughout this that they do sell little logs because those cakes are like 35, 40 bucks. They are yeah. not cheap. No. So you can get the log that's a little bit less, but like I, I, I felt a little inappropriate, you know, spending the money to have one of those that, you know, it, it, it happened. But um, man, those, those ice cream cakes, top notch. Did, did you ever finish a cake in one sitting? No. Okay. God, no. Good. All right. Good. I just wanted to check. Just okay. checking. All right. Uh, mine is, I can't even really tell you what this is. It, it was a promo item. Uh, I don't know. A couple of years back, the Wonder Woman Blizzard. You can still find somebody to make it for you. It, it was, it had like fudge and brownie pieces and cookie dough. And then this other kind of fudge. And I, I it was just, I, it was beautiful. It was wonderful. It just, it was like, it was like, you know, 6,000 calories of awesomeness in a, in a little cup. In a little we don't count cup. calories when we're, <laughs> when we're going to Dairy Queen. We are not looking to understand how many calories we are consuming in our body. Um, my number two, 
is also a little non-traditional, but the treats of pizza, specifically the brownie one. I mean, this is, I want some like substance with my ice cream and man. It's not something I've ever had. I get the Instagram targeted ads on these like at least once a week. And it is really, really hard. At least it's working. Instagram's, the the advertisements are working. Uh, Mine is uh, an item that most people don't know exists. Uh, I found a root beer freeze. So it's like a root beer float, but then it goes in the blender. So I, I don't I don't know how that's necessarily different than a shake, a root beer shake, I guess. I, but it's called a root beer freeze. Uh, wonderful on a hot summer day. And you can drink it out of a straw like a drink. So you don't have to have a spoon and do the whole deal. Okay, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, number three, I obviously have to have a blizzard on my list. You can't like be in this place and, and talk about Dairy Queen without that. Um, and I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Cookie dough, extra cookie dough. That's my jam. Fantastic. Uh, mine would be a my number three is a dilly bar, uh, preferably the hand dipped dilly bar. You can still find those at some uh, Dairy Queens. The ones in the freezer case are not as good. Uh, they will do in a pinch, but definitely the hand dipped dilly bar in traditional chocolate. My number four is also a dilly bar, but the Heath. I like the crunch. Oh, okay. Uh, my number four uh, variation on the dilly bar, uh, the chocolate dipped cone. Kind of the same theory that that chocolate gel, whatever that magic is that they do where they dip it and then it turns to, you know, it turns solid. It's fantastic. My number five, I'm going to do a throwback to my childhood. Now, I don't believe they even do these anymore, um, but I think the most time I ever consumed Dairy Queen was, you know, after softball game or practice or tournaments when I was growing up. And the Cherry Star Kiss on a stick, oh my God, it is delicious and wonderful. And I like feel like I can taste and smell it all in once. Yeah, just I think they do because I think my kids get those. All right, noted. Uh, my number five uh, is a little bit, boring it's the if wonder woman is not around we'll go with just an m&m blizzard mm, so you know okay. you know i got again we we got to find something that's got a little bit more uh controversy here when michael yeah. comes back we're gonna really got to bring out the fight in this yeah let's let's, just... get, let's put the fight back in food fight i i, I don't know I, I don't feel so strongly about this one that i want to start fighting people about it yep same um all right tweet of the week tweet of the week uh, I'll go first. Uh, yeah. My tweet of the week uh, is from a guy named Max Halliperin, a Minneapolis guy that I follow on Twitter. And um, it was in response to uh, the Minnesota Republican Party announcing that David Han, or I'm sorry, announcing that Mike Lonard Again, yeah. I never met likes Mike, so I don't know how to say his name, but sorry, Mike uh, is stepping down uh, at the uh, stepping down as the executive director of the party, and that Andy Applekowski will be filling in in the in the interim as a replacement. Max says Andy Applekowski is on a hot key for pasting into press releases with a single keystroke, right? Uh, kind of making the joke that uh, Andy's the go-to guy on uh when there's a when there's an opening and he's a guy who i think i would say it's fair to say that everyone who's been in republican politics for more than uh, a few years has a 
complicated relationship with. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> I will I will give a comment here. Andy was my guy, stepped in during the pandemic when we had to do all uh, virtual um, BPRU conventions, local party unit conventions. And he gets a gold star for handling the tech side of things and made sure we were able to continue to endorse candidates and elect national delegates and alternates as much as the party activists hated the process. Something needed to be done national pan international pandemic. Um, so Andy gets my gold star for that. Um, but yes, I will with that move on to mine. Um, mine is by uh, a woman named or her title is Bard and bougie and her, this really, really hit me. And I felt like I am, um, this person was, was speaking directly to me. It said, God grant me the serenity to close all the tabs I'm never going to read, the courage to read the open tabs that I really ought to read, and the wisdom to know the difference. I, at any given time, have probably four windows with upwards of 25 different tabs open um, that I have plans to read, articles, um, the best stories. Intentions best intentions and let me tell you there has been times where it gets shut down and i lose them and it's a sad sad day so uh, i'm going to take this as my tip to go and uh, remove some of those today um, but probably won't happen so uh with that um the end of a weird end to this episode but um i want to do a little sh shout out we had a lot of mentions of michael um i know you all are likely missing michael and all of his takes so be sure if you are not follow him on twitter at m broadcorb where you can continue to get his insight and quick wits about things be sure to give jeff um, our excellent stand-in host a follow here at jp kolb and if you are so kind and throwing around follows you can be i can be found at allery rl we are going to be off next week for the lovely Independence Day holiday, um, but we'll be sharing a best of show for the week. So you don't have to miss us too much. Is that, that's continue? all clips from when I have been guest hosting though, right? Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the best shows. <laughs> we want to thank you for listening to The Breakdown with Broadcorp and Becky featuring Jeff Cole. Before we go, show some love for your favorite podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the platform where you listen. You can also leave a review on our website, bbbreakpod.com. Again, the website is bbbreakpod.com. Also on Twitter at bbbreakpod. The breakdown with Broadcorp and Becky and Cold will return next uh, in two weeks. Have a great one. Thank you.